welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, our co-host, Grant McGallier. Grant, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Parker. How about yourself? I caught you in a well, sip of beer. You're doing pretty good. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, full disclosure, this is version 2.0 of the freaking Oklahoma State Podcast because it just vanished. So, um... We're here. We're live. There was, you know, it's, it, the, the lost tapes of the Oklahoma State uh, podcast are going to be talked about for years. Um, yeah. Parker had a whole thing about the Bilderberg group that he went into. It was very interesting. Uh, yeah, look, it was informative. I laughed. I cried. You know, maybe one day when we're all in the afterlife and we all have data on every intimate moment of our lives, we'll be able to look back and listen to the, uh, yeah. the lost tapes of the Oklahoma State podcast. But uh, yeah, talk, so so I was going to say, let's talk big news. Let's, let's talk big news today. and then let's do, let's do Oklahoma State. So big news, big news that's happened. Um, uh, a long overdue step in, in college athletics, name, image, and likeness, NIL, is, uh, is happening tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, athletes are going to be able to um, promote Make anything money. they want almost uh, for, for money using their name, image, and, 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 and uh, everything except their school logo. So that, that's pretty exciting and pretty big news. It's huge news, and it's it's kind of something that has been coming. I mean, it's not even it's definitely moving into the twenty first century. It's then moving into the latter half of the twentieth century. I mean, athletes have been making money off their names and images for a long time, uh, and it, I mean, at least you know, I don't want to give the NCAA credit, but I can be happy that it's happened. And we've already seen one athlete, uh, Jordan Bohannon uh, from Iowa, uh, the world's greatest three point shooter, according to the tweet from the unnamed fireworks company, uh, is making money off fireworks somehow. So that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's pretty awesome that they are, you know, local businesses arranging it. You know, we're going to have to deal with a lot of inanity on the internet, um, just in general, but specifically about this, because people are already replying to that tweet saying, Hey, well, what if, you know, this is all fine and well until the fireworks stand decides that they're going to pay him a hundred thousand dollars for an appearance. And it's like, well, Good. If a, if his appearance is generating enough business that the fireworks stand wants to give him that money, that's that's good, and that's something the athletes should have been capturing for for years now. So um, I think this is good. I, we we talked with Alex Kirshner on our kind of uh, tectonic plates episode earlier this off season and talked about why the language of Olympic model of amateurism had kind of gone away. But that's effectively what this is: the Olympic model of amateurism. You can go seek out sponsorships. Um, and even if the school is not, well, the school is directly paying the, the, the problem is undercompensation, not non-compensation, but the, the, you're, you're getting most of your revenue from these kind of external sources. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. One thought I had grant was, uh, have you ever heard of like a, uh, an NFL quarterback buying his offensive lineman, uh, a Rolex watch at the uh-huh. end of the season yep. or something? Yep. I wonder because college football stardom is so targeted around skill players um, mm. on both sides of the ball. You wonder if you won't see some of that kind of like give and take to make sure that the linemen feel appreciated. And, 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 and there's a lot of opportunities for a lot of creativity here. And um, I'm kind of interested to see who, who lands where, who, who does what and, and how athletes, you know, are innovative to kind of capitalize on this, this moment they have. Yeah, for sure. That's, I hadn't thought about that uh, kind of discrepancy with the skill players and alignment, but that's, that's a really good thought. Um, Parker, you had a great idea uh, that we've already done once, and I will ask you again for the second time tonight. If you were a TCU athlete, what uh, sponsorship would you like? I'm changing my answer. It's obviously Buff okay. Bros. Oh, I want to yeah. walk. 
I want to walk in every Thursday night to Buff Bros and have unlimited pizza and beer and wings. Um, and I will wear Buff Bros t-shirts and I will, uh, I will, you know, shout from the rooftops sure. that people should go eat at Buff Bros. They, they kind of already do that at the Daniel Meyer. It's like the, the basketball yeah. team hits five threes and you get six wings yeah. for free which, or something. Which is hard so at TCU basketball in recent years. But yeah, uh, I think if I, uh, you know, American Airlines is headquartered in Fort Worth. And if I could get an American Airlines sponsorship, you know, maybe get a ride on a PJ every now and then. I mean, that'd be that'd be pretty nice. I'd take that. Yeah, I feel like there's two there's two routes there. You can either try and maximize income or maximize experience. And I'm right. definitely more on the I want to maximize the experience. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I could take my offensive lineman on the PJ with me because I'm obviously the quarterback in this scenario. So that that, that works. And if uh, coach had put you in in the fourth quarter, uh, we would have probably would have won state. God, there's no doubt in my mind. No doubt. <laughs> Let's I love that we said state synchronously <laughs> to get the same thing. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah, so so that's big news. It'll be interesting to monitor. I'm I'm honestly interested in the kind of the meme potential for you know who who does what. I mean, I, the the Wisconsin linemen are going to do something hilarious. Oh, I don't yes. know what it is. It's going to be hilarious. They though. had a thing. I think uh, Andy Staples wrote a piece about them where they met. I want to say it was a tgi fridays but it might have been a red robin and just like cleaned out the place every thursday night like they could definitely get that sponsorship oh yeah absolutely um that's so that's so middle american oh awesome. it's the most madison that. wisconsin yeah. shit in the world i love it yeah big big fan of that so okay you know aside from that really college football is kind of dead right now because uh, today was the last day for people to put in their names to the transfer portal and and nothing big really happened. Most people that were going to transfer did already. I think Tennessee lost a couple more starters just because that's what Tennessee is doing mm-hmm. right now. And so mostly we're um, talking about NIL and then we're kind of working through our, our, you know, looking forward to 2021. So that's what we'll do tonight is we'll kind of continue our, I'll say meander through the big 12 mm-hmm. and the previews of teams. Again, this is not a power ranking. This is not where we think teams are so far. We've done, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor, and we've kind of been in the the bottom half of the league generally, and so we wanted to move out and just kind of try something different, and so we're going to look at Oklahoma State today. Again, we don't think Oklahoma State necessarily is going to finish sixth. This isn't a power ranking, but we do um, just want to talk about them because I think they are interesting. So, Grant, who is Oklahoma State? Where is Oklahoma State? Let's, uh, Let's dive in. Well, I think where is Oklahoma State is a really good question. And Parker, I'll draw from two of my favorite philosophers and writers here. Uh, firstly, the poet Dante, uh, who, much like Prince, just gets one name. He describes this place as the second kingdom, there where the soul of man is cleansed and made worthy to ascend to heaven. And I'll also quote from a, a, a more current man, a guy by the name of Tyler Childers, who described this place. Uh, I know that hell is just as real as I am surely breathing, but I've heard tale of a middle ground I think will work for me. When the time has come for changing worlds, I'll hedge my bets with a Catholic girl. I'm talking, of course, about purgatory, Parker. Oklahoma State is in purgatory. They have won eight or more games in all but two seasons since 2007. They've won 10 games four times, 11 once, and 12 once. They finished the top 10 of the AP poll only once. That was, of course, in 2011. They finished there. They damn near made the title game and arguably should have because that was that awful LSU-Alabama game of the century rematch. Outside of that 2011 season, they have lost at least two games in the Big 12 every year since 2007, which has to really eat at them because it takes away their chances for Big 12 titles. You pointed this out in the uh, in the lost tapes. They've never even made the new Big 12 title game 
Uh, After all of the shouting, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about it being a rematch between those two and Bedlam back to back, and it's and never it's happened. Never happened once. Uh, and they've beaten. Speaking of Bedlam, they've only beaten Oklahoma twice in that same stretch since 2007, which is kind of where they really started to, to take off. Parker, this is a team that is perennially very good and very rarely great. They've run essentially the same offense for 15 years or so. More on that later, and they do it pretty well. And the defense is altered between stingy, like they were last year, and Texas Tech esque. Uh, Mike Gundy has said and done dumb shit for a decade plus, and he's grown and, cut a, grown and cut a mullet in that span. And by the way, while we're on Gundy, I don't think he's in danger of being fired, especially now that TB and Pickens has passed away. That may sound morbid, but it's true. Only Pickens has had the clout to press the red emergency button and fire Gundy. It'd take quite a lot to move him out of Stillwater now, or at least a contract from a different school that would offer more money and doesn't care about all this weirdness. But while obviously Gundy's not getting fired this year, this also doesn't seem like a year where OK State can challenge Oklahoma for conference supremacy. That year, I think, was last year, and the Cowboys went 8-3, and three because they always do. But that doesn't mean there aren't peaks along the way, right? Like Oklahoma State, even in their somewhat down years, has always had capital G guys on offense. So Justin Blackman, Des Bryant, James Washington, Chris Carson, Tylen Wallace, who just left, Brandon Pettigrew, even like 35-year-old Brandon Whedon was very, very good. I don't know if that's the case in 2021. I think Spencer Sanders is obviously their best case for a capital G guy. But to me, he's just perfectly above average. I think he's a good quarterback, but his floor is a lot lower than I expected. He had a stretch of very mad games in the middle of last year, although he was fighting an ankle injury, so okay, mitigating circumstances. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is now gone, which Parker will somehow tell you was a good thing. Uh, LD Brown is fine. they got a couple other backs. They'll likely be good at running back, but they have a dearth of talent at wide receiver. Dylan Stoner was in Stillwater for like 14 years. He's gone. Tylen Wallace has finally gone. They lost six of their top eight pass catchers last year. Only Braden Johnson returns. Uh, Brandon Presley's also back. I think he had some big plays. He could help, but still. And if we're talking about Sanders having a chance to kind of develop and make his way in what will really be his first full season as the guy, the line's going to have some plug some holes because Rye Schneider and Hunter Woodard were their two best linemen last year. That's center and guard, respectively, and both of them are gone, which is not great. Tevin Jenkins. Instead of who? Traffic. Woodard's back. Woodard's back? So I think he just meant Jenkins instead of Woodard. Yeah, I think so. Shoot. No, leave this in. This is good audio. No. <laughs> yeah, Woodard <laughs> is right. back. You're right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Woodard, not Jenkins. Okay, we don't even have to. No, no, no that wasn't it. Okay. The point is, the defense shoulder most of the load last year. Yes, they performed absolutely. admirably. Jim Knowles is a good defensive coordinator. They return a lot of guys I like, such as Malcolm Rodriguez at linebacker, Colby Harville, Peel at safety. This is the second time I'm doing this. Please excuse the fact that I got the name wrong. But I don't think the defense is going to be as stout as they were last year when they were a top 20 unit in the country. So, Parker, I'm going to petition the good Lord on Mike Gundy's behalf and steal from Tyler Childers once more. How long can free can free will boys mope around in purgatory? Yeah, I think purgatory is a great word for it. Um, the, the, the phrase that kind of comes to mind is like Glenn Mason territory. Um, because I don't know, like if they, if they ever, you know, Gundy, Gundy flirted with like Tennessee a couple years ago. And if they fired Gundy and moved on, which they, they, they wouldn't, whatever, whatever reason they moved on from Gundy, you're going to have to ask, could they be doing any better than, than they are currently with Gundy? And I think the answer might be, might be no there. So, um, it does feel like they're kind of up at their, their, their ceiling, you know, last year they finished fourth in the big 12 technically, uh, eight and three overall, but my, my expected metrics actually didn't didn't love them. Uh, 
expected wins last year. So that that's closer to a five and five record. You look at, you know, a one score win against Iowa State where they were outgained on a per play basis. Um, a, a 20 to 18 win against the, the Will Howard led Kansas State Wildcats. And then uh, a 50 to 44 kind of chaotic win against Texas Tech that really could have gone either way. So you look at them last year and one, uh, including the Tulsa game, one, two, three, four, five, six of their games were one score wins. And they won five of those, I think, for uh, four of those. So four and two and one score games. And so last year was really kind of a man. They finished fourth in the Big 12, even with an injured quarterback. But still, every game was was pretty close. And that, that, that sounds a little bit more pejorative than I want it to be. But, I, you know, looking at the program generally, Mike Gundy, they've made a bowl basically every year. And, you know, the bowl losses have all been good losses. They've been in the Cotton Bowl and the Texas Bowl and the um, Holiday Bowl, I think. I think they lost the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, it's a good call. So. I, I, I don't really know. Um, I, w- I will say, I like Jim Knowles. Uh, I like Jim Knowles a lot because Jim Knowles came in in 2018 and uh, tried to run a 4-3 defense, and it did not friggin' work. And Jim Knowles was like, okay, nope, sorry, we're going 3-4. <laughs> we're not doing this. Uh, <laughs> and so I just respect the hell out of a guy being like, oh, yeah, I'm a scheme guy, but we can't. No, we right. can't do that here. So, yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about them. And, and Gundy in general is just here's, – here's where I land on Gundy. Gundy and Mike Leach are basically the same person, but Gundy is so much more annoying. He doesn't have, I don't know, he's less charming, maybe, right? I, I don't know he's why Mike like, Leach can get like, away with it. She's just spacey. Like, Leach can kind of be like, the, oh, I'm just kind of here, whatever. But Gundy is like so aggro about it. I that's mean. that's really what it is. Like, it, 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 Mike Leach is like your weird uncle who just says random shit at Thanksgiving, and Mike Leach is like giving you flyers. Yeah, like Mike uh, Gundy yeah. is your uncle that oh, like Gundy, yeah. will start a fight at Thanksgiving. Uh, Mike Leach is the uncle that will like talk to you about. I was going to say pirates as a joke, but he actually will for like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's not like Leach is any more or less harmless than than Gundy. Um, harm's a big word, whatever. But they're they're on the same frequency, they're on the same wavelength. But Gundy just feels so much less charming, although he has kind of shut up in the last yeah. year. Uh, yeah, which is nice. It's nice. Again, uh, you know, you separate Gundy into what I find personally distasteful and avoiding preventable losses. And he has just, again, I find it very personally distasteful, but he has not avoided preventable losses no. in any way, shape, or form. He, he goes on fishing trips that he shouldn't. He, uh, he, he just, yeah, it's like I said, just don't, don't fumble the bag. And Gundy's fumbled the bag quite a bit uh, in places where he shouldn't. Uh, you know, yeah. I, so I think of the Houston Texans, right? They all, I, I hate them. They're my favorite f- football team and I hate them. Like, they looked dumb when sports were canceled when they traded DeAndre Hopkins. Like, no, the whole world was shut down and the Texans still found a way to look dumb. And Gundy somehow kind of does that. Just no one's paying attention. And all of a sudden, here's Mike doing some wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is just, uh, again, you don't have to, like, there's this bit, and I'm not equating uh, the morality of this, the R. Kelly situation to the morality of Gundy situation. Just Aziz Ansari has this bit where he talks about an interview with R. Kelly, and R. Kelly gets asked, like, hey, are you attracted to teenage girls? And Aziz Ansari's like, all you got to do is say no. All you have to do is just say no. That is not what R. Kelly does. And it's the same thing with the Texans. Like, all you got to do is just not do anything, and you're going to be fine. Don't trade your best player for a running back. Like, 
Just don't do anything. <laughs> Mike Gundy, just don't post. <laughs> that's all you got to do. And I think that's a Melanie bit too. It's like on the scale of things, it is 100% easier to not do anything than it is to do something. And Gundy, is, for better or worse, always does something. Is is Mulaney also where he's like, uh, what I should have said was nothing. No, that's Mike Birbigley. That's Mike Birbigley. He's like, yes, yes but yeah, I'm yeah, in the future too, Mike Birbigley. So, what I said was, you'd be surprised. Anyway, there's uh, yeah. there's any number of, of pop culture references we could pull just to be like, hey, Mike, let's tone it down a little bit. Um, all that to say, I, 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 again, he, he's a good coach. He's, he, yep. they, they've been stable. Um, I think they're at, they're at their ceiling and what's crazy is they're basically always at their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not a lot of variance in the program, which makes them really interesting because again, they're easy to forecast. Hey, they're going to be in the top half of the big 12. They're going to win a game. They probably shouldn't like last year, Iowa state, and, uh, they're going to lose a game that they also shouldn't, which I think last year was, um, well, they had, I mean, you could argue uh, TCU Texas, probably. but, uh, I mean. TCU and Texas last year yeah, both were, they were pretty bad. Those games. Yeah. 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 So, so either one. Um, again, I, I remember like 2018, they lost to TCU played the mule. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You're damn right. Oklahoma, and TCU scored like 900 points in the, in the third quarter and beat that. It was a very weird game. Yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about them. Let's, let's dial into the offense. Cause I think that's the biggest question. Their defense was actually better than their offense last year. So they had an EPA margin of 0.012, which was 67th in the nation. Um, their offense was 101st, whereas their defense was 19th, which is pretty nice. Um, and that's not, unusual for them but they had some great guys um amen O, uh, a great linebacker who went on to the league colby harvey peel a really talented safety rodarius williams a, a, a fierce cornerback and so the defense had a lot of guys that were really really high caliber last year so it's expected that they would have been good but i think the offense especially in the way that gundy designs his team is is going to be what's interesting and, and i think you you think of gundy as an offensive guy and so you think oh well that's going to be okay but when you look back They've kind of had some instability, starting with like they brought in Sean Gleason in 2018, 19, 19, uh, which I really hoped would work. And then it did that not. seems way more recent. Yeah, that seems way too recent, I but it, it didn't. He needed a certain environment and Stillwater was not that environment. But um, so, yeah, I think I think there's been oddly some some uncertainty. And so offensive coordinator Casey Dunn is going to kind of be in his second year at the at the helm uh, for, for those people, you know, for, for frog fans, I think this uh analogy really really works but Casey Dunn is kind of like a, a Zarnell Fitch or a Paul Gonzalez he's a guy who's been around um the program for a while under Gundy so like those guys are for for coach Patterson and, and kind of been built up and now he's he's in charge there so he has been you know attended and graduated from the Mike Gundy school for uh offensive coordinators who can call plays good and and it'll be interesting to see what they do with a little bit of continuity there but the offense definitely needs to rebound for this Oklahoma State team to be anything more than kind of a consistently, hey, you're pretty good team. Yeah, for sure. And and the thing about it is, Parker, is that, okay, I'm just going to delve into the quarterback here because I think Oklahoma State's That's offense, the question, yep. Yeah, it, it always is, right? And Spencer Sanders, he hasn't had the best development cycle. He started as a freshman, was kind of thrown into the fire. And, you know, he highly touted quarterback, so you should be able to do that. Last year was hobbled by injury, and it was a COVID year, so that's weird. Junior year, you'd think, would be the year that he makes the leap, but I'm worried that they don't have the framework around him for him to excel. 
Um, because while I do think Sanders, I mean, we talked earlier, is probably a top five quarterback in the conference. Maybe he could get up to three or even two if he, if he hits the top of the ceiling. But he doesn't have a lot of guys to throw to, and I'm not sold on the offensive line. Yeah, well, so, so I think the, again, Spencer Sanders, 0.9311, four-star coming out of uh, coming out of high school, a, a, a dual threat, a really kind of really highly touted guy, and, and he's he's demonstrated some ability to be kind of that dual threat, but you're right, he has had some development issues, and he has had some context issues. It, he's surprisingly similar to Max Duggan in that regard, um, which I think is just kind of unfortunate for both of them that they've kind of had to work out their development in real time yeah that's but not I, flattering to either one of them really yeah it, i mean again i get to hide the worst parts of my life and and they they don't uh, my professional development and they, and they they don't so they do lose um that's probably the, the better place to start they, their offense last year was supposed to be this kind of holy triumvirate of uh you know sanders to chuba hubbard to tylen wallace and they lose Hubbard and Wallace. And, and Hubbard and Wallace were responsible for 31% of touches last year. So so almost one in three of all plays at Oklahoma State went through those two guys. And when you filter that for garbage time, that goes almost to 50%. They, they, they really, really were trying to go through these two guys, and, and they're gone. So the backbone of the offense there is really, really gone. And and the receiving core especially is really, really hollowed out. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how they can kind of, kind of pull that pull that back so so let, let, let's talk about sanders last year just a, a sure. little bit his total epa number doesn't really mean much because he was out for a couple games but if we look at his epa per attempt for instance um he was 41st overall 0.424 a lot of that reflects the ability of tylen wallace to break big runs uh or break break big passes off of kind of screens and, and short plays or to yeah. get the overhead you think about um the you know the tcu oklahoma state gate last year Oklahoma State did everything they could to switch Tylen Wallace off of Trevis Hodges Tomlinson and to CJ Caesar. And the one time that they did it, it was like a 50 yard touchdown. It was amazing. But it they could the only do it one time. Like every, as that ball was in the air, everyone went, oh, well, that's not good. That's, that's, that, that's like, you know, people talk about, you know, playing chess, not checkers and, and football and all that. That game last year was 100% Gundy being like, dude, we got to motion Wallace. We got to figure it out. And Patterson being like, no, my third string walk-on backup cornerback is not going to guard Tylen Wallace. Yeah. We're going to do everything to make that not happen. And so just the, the positioning was really, really funny there. So again, first down rate, 36th overall for Spencer Sanders. That's 39%. Um, again, a, a very decent number, a very explosive offense. He he had some rushing ability, again, even being hampered with that ankle. His completion percentage was only 43rd at 638 and his yards per completion was only 8.26. Um, and so there was a lot of short completions there, which kind of goes into that boom and bust offense of, hey, we, we don't really you know have a ton to do besides give our guys the ball and, and hope they make a play. That kind of speaks right there. That, that, that low, you know, 8.26 yards per completion is not super explosive. That kind of tells me, hey, he's checking down a lot. He's not making consistently kind of these intermediate passes even if he is, you know, catching Wallace wide open 50 yards downfield. So Sanders, I think, is a question mark. No, I agree. And I think that kind of speaks a little bit to what you were talking about in terms of how one-dimensional Oklahoma State's game plan was. I mean, if it was, if, if hey, if Wallace isn't open, check it down. Or we're going to run it with Chuba Hubbard and see what we can get, or we'll get it to him on a screen. Uh, they don't have that option now. So maybe that opens up Sanders to 
throw more over the middle of the field. Maybe he's really good at it. We don't know. I have no idea, but we're going to find out in 2021 because it's kind of a make or break year for him and the, and the Oklahoma State offense. Yeah, yeah, and just I mean, who who are you, right? I don't I don't know. Right. I don't know who you are. There there's moments where you've been good, but are you are you great? Are you okay? Are you bad? Are we going to remember you? And and so that's really where it, where it comes down to. I you know he's going to have to take a development step, but the other question of the offense is going to have to be. I, I think the offensive line is something that we should talk about because you mentioned they're plugging some holes. So like Tevin Jenkins is gone, uh, you know NFL draft pick. I think this offensive line is actually potentially better than it was last year. One last year they had a lot of health issues, but but they bring in a couple guys that I think are really interesting. So some some first principles, some some stats. You know, twenty six point three percent pressure rate, seventeen sacks allowed, thirty four percent rushing success rate. Not not amazing. Um, no, but. Especially with a back like Hubbard, you'd expect, you know, that, that, that really speaks to, hey, we're just going to do a lot of volume and hope he breaks one big. They were 94th in rushing EPA, 0. 0.012, and they were 82nd in passing EPA at about 1.0.19, which just isn't very consistent or, or explosive at all. So um, I, I think the thing that's really an indictment about them is that they're, they're you know, I love the stat, Echel, they're, they're, they're kind of quality drive rate was uh, about 63%, so less than two and three. And that was 63rd in the nation, but they were only averaging 3.38 points per per scoring opportunity per echo. 96th in the nation. Um, just, again, if they didn't get a big play, they really weren't going to score, and, and that's just really not sustainable. Um so that comes back to the offensive line. Can the offensive line kind of open up these holes? Can they consistently protect Sanders to, to kind of get to learn to make his reads? And so th- this is an interesting unit because I think it's going to be kind of a patchwork quilt in, in a weird way. Um, but, but I think the biggest thing we need to talk about is the left side of the line could be one of the best in the, in the, in the conference, even if the right yeah. side of the line is just not existent. Yeah. Uh, so Caleb Etienne, Juco guy, just an absolute freak. 6'8", 310, um, and a 0.856 rating as a, as a transfer coming in, as a Juco guy coming in, is going to start a left tackle. He's not on campus yet, but he's going to come in in the fall, and he is he is going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Josh Sills is one of the more experienced offensive linemen uh, in, in the conference, uh, playing left guard, 2.17. He's the West Virginia transfer, um, and he was kind of in and out of the program, but he is back, and he is going to start. Does West Virginia just recruit everyone with the last name Sills? I think so. I think it's contractually obligated. Like Neil Brown, they had to yeah. sign. Because uh, cause the, the defensive Sills brothers, their dad played at West Virginia. Yep, yep. And they recruited the older brother wanting the younger brother. So there's yep. there's all sorts of incest going there. Um, one could make a very low-hanging joke right now about West Virginia, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to walk past it. <laughs> We were talking about Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis earlier, too, so this is really taking a turn. Um, oh, my God. Okay, yeah. we weren't casually talking about Jerry Lee Lewis. I just <laughs> Parker, Parker brought him up. It's like, you know who I love. No. Uh, yeah, no. Sills is really good. Uh, so, ho- hold on now. Okay. Where does Woodard plug in here? Because I'm looking at your projected death chart, and I don't see him. Okay, so I, I've been talking to people. I think Woodard's going to play on the right side of the line. I don't okay. think Birmingham or Springfield are guys. Springfield's a walk-on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I also think Springfield could start and be less than six feet tall, which, um, which is he, just funny in college football. Coastal Carolina just like not get a recruiting tape. Like exactly. Um, but yeah, so so I think I think he'll fit on the right side of the line. Danny Godlevsky was at University of Miami and started like twenty six games. He is literally the most experienced lineman in the Big Twelve, including Connor Galvin uh, at Damn. at Baylor. He's the most experienced lineman in the Big 12 now. So, again, that left side of the line is really promising. They've got Woodard. They've got a couple guys back there that could fill it in. So, you're right. They do have turnover, but... There's talent there. Yeah. There's 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 talent there. But, again, continuity matters. And so, bringing in, what, two new guys into an offensive line and then having kind of, I don't know who's going to play on the right side, that, that that's going to be a big question for the season is, not only can I establish a clear starting five, can I have them stay healthy for most yep. of the year uh, to, to make sure that my quarterback stays healthy? Yeah, exactly. Um, do, do you want to talk about running backs? I mean, Desmond Jackson and L.D. Brown are going to kind of plug in the Chuba Hubbard hole. Uh, I think they're both good. Desmond Jackson had a better yards after carry than Chuba did last yeah. year. No, I think they're both going to be good. I mean, I, okay, we joke a lot about Chuba Hubbard. Chuba was a good running back. Um, and he was fine, him is yeah. going to, Replacing him is going to be as hard as it is to replace any good running back, but Jackson and Brown certainly do have the talent. Um, anything else we want to say about the Oklahoma State offense? Um, I, I will say that the, the, the one stat that I kind of literally highlighted, so you said Braden Johnson is, is coming back, yep. is kind of the guy, uh, who the outside receiver. In the slot, Brennan Presley only had like 16 receptions, but his average depth of target was 9.8, and his yards per completion was 17.9. So Brennan Presley is going to be, he's going to be the dude running mesh getting the ball five yards and then busting open a run, he is going to be profoundly annoying. He's, he's a little guy. Um, and he's someone who has potentially that, that, that ability to kind of break off a bust off a big run or a big, a big reception. Yeah, big. And so I think he's just another name to watch. Uh, and again, you know, if you have Desmond Jackson and LD Brown, you kind of have that stable of running backs. Perhaps that kind of increases your running back efficiency as you're able to keep their legs fresher yeah. for, for longer. No, that's, that's good. And it won't be as one dimensional. Um, I think that's really going to be key. Like having those kind of two guys splitting carries instead of Chuba's one, uh, kind of highlight the diff- differential talents and all that. Uh, I, th- I think, like I said, it's not having a dominant guy, but I think he'll be okay at running back. And at receiver, I mean, those guys are talented, but man, Tyler Moss is freaking good. He was, <laughs> and, and, I mean, but he, mean, he was hurt a little bit last year and. Um, and, and was kind of dealing with that. I mean, I, I think Tylen Wallace had at, at one point, like had, had three ACL surgeries. Yeah, that's true. Which is not good. It is yeah, not you only have one. two. So have, you only have two yeah. ACLs in your body. I mean, they did today get, uh, I'm looking up his name. Uh, the, the Shredden kid. Oh yeah. Okay. So two receivers, one of them was, was, was looking at OU was committed to OU and flipped. So they, they've got some freshman receivers that, you know, you want to keep your eye on who will probably be involved because there is not an obvious target. You know, there, there's not a, right. Hey, this is going to be the anchor of the passing game. And so that again, makes things harder for Sanders, but someone's going to have to step up there. It might be one of those freshmen. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I mean, Oklahoma state seems to know where to find him. I mean, James Washington was like a one, a high school kid coming at one or two, a high school kid coming out of Texas. So I'm sure they have some talent in the tank. Indeed. Um, uh, and if Lincoln Riley wanted him, he's probably good. Well, so. yeah, that's also true. Um, I am much more excited about the defense because they have guys there that I love. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, I think they're returning like eight or nine of their top 11 yeah. tacklers. 
I love Malcolm Rodriguez. Like, I've written about him. I've, uh, we talked to him at Pitch 12 Media Days. Like, I think he's a stud. And the fact that he's coming back at linebacker probably means that he's probably not quite an NFL guy, but he is a damn good college linebacker. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, 66 tackles, 12 pressures, like just really versatile there, which I think is, um, again, he's he's a name that you're going to circle even as they lose. You know, they lost, I think I already listed off the three guys. They, 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 they lost, you know, Amen. Harvey Peel yeah, and, and yeah. Amen O yeah. and... Um, Peel's back. Uh, Rodarius. Who's back? Peel. Colby Harbaugh Peel. Oh, Peel is back. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they got to their roster. Is, at least. Yeah, they got, I mean, uh, they, so that they've got Trey Sterling, who's a safety who, you know, yep. is really good. The, the thing that I circled is they had like five edge rushers who had 22 pressures or more. Damn. Um, and three of those guys come back. So Brock Martin, Trace Ford, Tyler Lacey, Tyler Lacey is a little bit controversial. I'm not sure he's actually good, but he's a guy. Sure. Um, they, they, they just really, you know, they use a stand up rusher. Because they they do run that three four and and it is basically a four down, but their edge, you know, their their pass r- disruption ability on on defense is going to be so good just because they're able to disrupt on the edge with the, with these guys getting pressure, um, and, and so that'll that'll kind of take some of the edge off of losing Radarius Williams at cornerback. You know, a guy like Jared Bernard Converse is going to fill in maybe. Um, that that's kind of the only question mark on defense is you know who's who's going to fill that corner role, but they have such a disruptive, it, it's almost the inverse of TCU in 2020 mm-hmm. where TCU had great cornerbacks, but no pass rush. And then the pass rush kind of developed. Yep. I think Oklahoma state will be the opposite. They'll, they'll have a pass rush, but they might get burnt a little early mm-hmm. uh, as a cornerback kind of establishes himself. Yeah. Which I honestly, if I had to pick that might be the way to go. Just, Hey, listen, we're going to at least screw with your timing because we're disrupting you, um, you yep. know, up front. And then if you, you know, you could somehow stay on your feet, make a throw, great. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess I've just watched TCU struggle to rush the passer so much that I'm desperate for anything else. So I'd probably take Oklahoma State scenario over TCU's. Well, not not now knowing knowing what Kari Coleman and Oshawn Mathis are, even though their right, kind of breakoff sorry. last year coincided with vastly different strength of schedule than the first yeah. half of the season when they weren't breaking out. But yeah, right, sorry, not now. I meant like hypothetically, like if you had to yeah. make you choose one, I think I've been so used to one i'll take the other sort of ex, ex ante if i had these two situations yeah, yeah. Right. so uh, don't don't use it, latin it's it's not, i don't, it's like I don't actually know i don't actually know latin i just know a little bit of phrases because we use them in economics because we hate ourselves um the defense last year was 19th in epa per play which is again best statistical defense in, in oklahoma state's history um 36th against the rush 12th against the pass they really looking at their schedule um the Texas Tech game was the only one where they kind of let things get points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is weird for an Oklahoma State team. I mean, they, they well, and Texas too put up some some points on Texas them. only third. Well, Oklahoma forty one, but that doesn't. I mean, Oklahoma just beats people. That doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, that doesn't that inform me at all. But so besides besides Texas Tech and besides Texas, they held everyone else to under twenty, under thirty, under thirty, and the definitely bowl game, under thirty and the bowl game. Uh, but okay, that whatever that didn't count. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they have a good, they have a good defense. Jim Knowles, who was it due before him? Question mark. This is something we should have Googled if I had done my homework. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know what? It's late, and I'm watching my dog tear up my chair cushion right now. Um, Get it, Max? I'm just too tired to yell. 
Jim Knowles was at uh, Duke to a 10-win season and appearance in the ACC championship game. Both were first in school history. There you go. Yeah, good for him. So yeah, he's he, he knows what he's doing there. He does. Um, Do you want to do schedule? Let's let's talk about the schedule. I hate yeah. that this is so abbreviated, but technology has really gotten us, yeah. and, and I'm we're losing steam. I'm losing steam. So yeah, let's um let's talk about the schedule. And it's hilarious that we thought that the Baylor podcast was going to go like 35 minutes. And the <laughs> it's Oklahoma State Oklahoma one's going to be the one. Well, you know, it so would have been like an hour that. 15 if we'd have kept the original tapes. But, Again, uh, the lost tapes. Uh, we'll we'll release them to you know double secret subscribers. So. Let's talk about the schedule. Um, something interesting. Uh, I'm I'm always annoyed about TCU playing SMU and home and home and all that. Oklahoma State has entered into an agreement. They're 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 going to play Tulsa in in Tulsa next year. So so they're they're doing that with a with an AAC school that's local, kind of back and forth, um, which might be a trend that people are doing. But they start off back to back with uh, home games against Missouri State, Bobby Petrino, which is oh, always God, interesting. I forgot. And what do you then, think he and Gundy talk about? I can't even begin to speculate. I, I have to imagine they hate each other because I imagine Everyone Bobby hates Petrino Petrino. hates most people. Everyone yeah, hates Bobby and, Petrino. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so again, Missouri State should be an annoying win. They'll probably give up more points than they want. And people will think, oh, the, you know, the defense. Like, again, if you have a cornerback that can get beat early on, I think yeah. uh, Petrino's team might be one to exploit that. But then they, they have Tulsa, who's a really good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Although they do lose their best defender in, in Zayvon Collins. And so I, I, I think that that'll be a test, but I think that'll be a win as well at home to start the season. Uh, Parker, I want to ask you something. Why did Oklahoma State schedule Boise State? Okay, we have to figure out something here because they don't play a P5 non-con. And I thought that was a big freaking deal in the Big 12. Yeah, I thought it was too. But I guess when it's Boise State, they kind of overlook that. So I think they make exceptions for like Houston, Boise, BYU. That might make sense. But um, then just make the exception for the AAC, but yeah. then no one will schedule outside the AAC. So I don't, I don't really I get don't that. Know. But they're going to lose at Boise State. No, no, absolutely not. No, they will. They they lost a uh, Boise State lost Harson to um, I guess. Auburn, and yeah. they they last year they didn't have quarterback. They, they injury issues happened. But they're in a classic, like, two quarterbacks is no quarterback situation. They brought in Andy Avalos from uh, uh, from Oregon. And so I, I, I want that to be true. I wanted that to be true in, like, what, 2018 or whatever yeah. when they came and it was close. But, no, I think I think they're going I think they're going 3-0 and to start the season. No, mark me down. I'm, I'm standing with it. Okay. I'm keeping keep a loss. Um, so after that, what I think is interesting, four of their first five games are at home. Yep. Aside from Boise State, they they play five straight weeks up into the bye, and they're going to host Missouri State, Tulsa, go to Boise, and then have Kansas State, Baylor back to back. Which, again, I'm not a huge momentum guy, but it does feel like Texas has some really unfortunate breaks with teams getting a bye before playing yep. Texas. I agree. When we do that Texas preview, let's try and remember to look at how many teams have a bye before they play them because that just seems rough to do. You know, you get Kansas State, which is should be competitive but winnable. Baylor, which should be competitive but winnable. Um, Oklahoma State, at worst, should go one and one against those two. Yeah. Probably should beat both of them if they are where they want to be. And then you get a bye to to face Texas. Yeah. I have them at four and one, maybe three and two. I'm not sold on them beating Kansas State for some reason. I don't know why. But I, I have them 
at four and one going into the bye. I agree with that, but my game would be Kansas State. Would be Kansas State. That makes sense. So, okay, do you think they beat Texas at Texas? Maybe that's that's a weird look ahead situation because they have Iowa State. I know. Right after I, that, I think they lose both those games. I think that's very easy to go five and zero, oh, and then and then lose two. Yeah, real quick, and then you get a break for Kansas, and you're at West Virginia. You could go five and zero. Oh. Oh, very easily looking at the schedule. So they go, they go by Texas at Texas at Iowa State, Kansas home at West Virginia. You could be five and zero going to the bye week and find yourself six and three in in the blink of an eye. Yeah. That's that's kind of a rough October, man. It's a really uh, and then you go right to right to West, right to Morgantown to start November, mm-hmm. and then home for TCU at Tech, home for Oklahoma. I. I think they go seven and five, dude. This looks rougher. The more I think about this, so when's when when did they last beat TCU? Uh, two thousand nineteen. We were both there. Nineteen. We were both there. What happened in the nineteen game? Why am I blanking? Uh, uh Max. Uh, Max got hurt. They had to play Michael Collins. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But TCU's won four out of the last five. Yeah, so so that that one's pretty rough. Again, Texas Tech could be spicy, and by that point, they could be rolling. Yeah. And then you have Oklahoma at the end. That, like this schedule starts out great because you get four or five at home. Yeah. You get Kansas State and Baylor, who are both beatable, and then you have a bye going into Texas. And after that, man, it's 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 body blows. Man, it's tough. I I I have them at seven and five. Could you see them? So last week we said, could you find more than eight wins? So so okay. theoretically, could I, I can let let's let's yeah. do this first. Can I find ten wins for Oklahoma State? I think I can. I don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think it's likely, but I think yeah. I could find ten wins. I think I could. I think I think so. You win your first five, right? Five and zero. Oh, five and zero. Oh. Split Texas and, and Iowa State. State you're six and six. one. You beat Kansas. That's seven. You beat West Virginia. That's eight. TCU and Texas Tech. That's ten. Right. So yeah. believable. Uh, uh, do, do I think it's going to happen no but plausible yes I, I i think it's plausible they also go like six and six i was gonna say on the flip side could you find could you find six losses on the schedule yeah i, I think okay let, let's say boys who beat because i think that's possible because that that's worst case scenario yeah, worst case, right, that is but, but okay, the death but, star is imploded we left right. event open they're gonna yeah, kill yeah, us yeah. you lose to boys you lose to kansas state lose to texas lose to iowa state lose to west virginia lose to tc lose to oklahoma that's seven so take away boise that's still six yeah, rough, man. Rough. I think you're seven and five. I'm not I'm not sold. I think you're seven and five. Yeah, I mean that 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 seems really unlikely to lose seven. Um, but no, I, like, I, agree. like I, I kind of see these natural couplets of like I think they'll split Kansas State and Baylor. Yep. I think they'll split Texas and Iowa State, they'll split West Virginia TCU, they'll split Texas Tech and Oklahoma. And so you start looking at like, okay. Lose, by that you mean you lose to Oklahoma. <laughs> well, of course, they'll beat Texas Tech. So like four and five, five and four again, which is exactly what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. That's purgatory. That's that's not a step forward. No. It's not a step backwards, but it's definitely not a step forward. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug, and I just don't know which one Oklahoma State is at this moment. Well, Parker, do you want to end this podcast on a fun note? Yeah, let's okay. So let's let's do that. Let's let's tie a bow there because I don't. I don't yeah, know. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I I mean no no no. I I, I could wax poetic about this schedule. I just it, it, it's very interesting to me. Uh, 
Okay, we played this game last week with Baylor. Uh, alumni that we did not know went to the school. Okay, Everybody full disclosure, I'm Googling this right now. Okay, yeah, so no, I'm bringing it up. Um, okay. I'm going to try to stick away from athletes uh, just because, like, I know we know most of them. Um, Parker, did you know that former South Korean Prime Minister Nam Duk Woo went to Oklahoma State? No, I he did not have no reason why I would know that. He got his PhD in economics from OSU, and later went on to become the twelfth Prime Minister of South Korea. That rules. Yes, yeah, kick ass. That's a that's a pretty good one. Um, similarly, uh, Garth Brooks. Went to uh, he and the, he yeah. and the South Korean Prime Minister yeah. <laughs> on the same level. <laughs> I wonder if they were there at this. Hold on, that they is were there a at buddy the same cop time. movie. They were there I at the same watch. time. Uh, but the, the, the but Prime Garth Minister, was probably an undergrad while he was a yeah, PhD. Yeah, but still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, just above Garth Brooks on the list, Jason Boland. I do love. Oh, Jason okay. Boland. Much more impressive. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Gary Busey, that yeah, one's fun. I didn't know that real one. Real fun. Have you seen Have you seen the Buddy Holly movie with Gary Busey? I have not. No. Okay. Uh, I, I, that is a strong recommend. That is not. Okay. Um, that is like unironically a very good biopic. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm in on that. Um, James Marsden, noted handsome man. Teddy from uh, Westworld. Yeah, that's how I, I know him. I've seen Westworld. I've heard it's good. It, it, the first season was interesting. It kind of it's hard to live up to an excellent first season sometimes. Uh, you you found this one. Uh, Anita Hill. Yeah, have I, just, I, just that. That. I don't. I have no comment on no, that, but, but she that has a degree. Certainly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Gottlieb. I hate Doug Gottlieb. Uh, anyone else? Obviously T Boone. Tom Coburn, U.S. Senator. Coburn Report. We uh, we cited that a lot. Uh, in debate, it was. It's always about overspending. So we'd always like, well, hey, just take money out of the Coburn Report programs and put them into space or whatever the hell the topic was. Um, trying to find one more to land this year. Tony Tony Allen's a good one. Tony oh Allen's no, I think one. I found I think I found the best one. Okay, lay, lay it on. Did you know Houston Houston Nut? <laughs> <laughs> How has he never coached Oklahoma State? I can't believe this. I have to Google this. I don't. I, I know he like coached Tol- he coached Tulsa. Houston Nutt will coach any football team. Murray State, Boise State. When was Houston Nutt at Tulsa? I don't think he was. I thought he was at Tulsa. Can I tell you the funny part? On the Wikipedia, he's listed as current NCAA head football coach at the University of Mississippi. Yeah, I saw this. Chad Glasgow also went there because, again, yeah. like Doug Meacham went there, right. like just incestuous Big 12. And they say he's the current D.C. at uh, at Texas Tech, which is not correct. That is so. not correct at all. A lot of golfers. Um, Bill Self. Weird. Oklahoma State guy. A lot of golfers. Ricky Fowler, who really is like the Oklahoma State of professional golf. Yeah, I, I as little as I know about him. Yeah, um, I believe that. Thurman Thomas was a great football player, but so that, but that, that team with Meacham, I think we talked about that. That team with Meacham in like the, he was a lineman yeah. Um, in like the late 80s was like Thurman Thomas and Gundy and Meacham and Barry, and Sanders. Barry Sanders and like four or five, like a ton <laughs> of people that you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane. Um, 
Okay. Well, that's you know what I've always had a good time in Stillwater, so I can see why all these people were interested in attending. <laughs> Wait, I have the best one. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to read this off. Uh, former and current athletic staff. This is the list at the very bottom of this Wikipedia page, which again, I trusted. I have not clicked anything. I'm just trusting okay. this. Jimmy Johnson, current Fox Sports analyst, <laughs> no, I'm looking at former it coach of Dallas Cowboys and Miami Dolphins, spokesman for Extends. <laughs> That's, those are his three epithets. <laughs> This this is a very um, <laughs> Wikipedia. Okay, at the top of this Wikipedia article, to be fair, it does say this article needs additional citations <laughs> or verification. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Current spokesman for instance. <laughs> Life is a gift. And to think he's not in the Cowboys ring of honor. Folks, I just don't get it. <sighs> yeah, gosh. Um man okay what a silly place to land on yes. that's great we hit 49 minutes i feel very good about this i'm very frustrated that we lost the first 30 minutes of this stupid podcast but i'm glad that we redeemed it i'm glad we got to talk through oklahoma state yep. um and i i think they're an interesting team um we have some some scheduling logistics to work out off air so we're not going to announce uh what we're going to do next just because we need to work on that but we're going to keep uh keep working through those and um again just you know putting this on your radar we're going to turn the paywall back on uh, here, here in the summer leading up to the, the game, but we'll do multiple weeks in advance. So you know about or leading up to the season multiple weeks in advance. So that's, that's not an issue with anyone. Um, uh, your friend and mine, Melissa Trebwasser has a couple of really cool features that she's just going to toss out for subscribers, um, on the, on the newsletter. They're going to be really interesting. So keep an eye out for some of those on the newsletter, um, as we kind of ramp back up to, to the season. Um, other than that, Grant, you have anything else? No. Uh, can I land this plane? Please land this plane. <laughs> this has been the Purple Theory Podcast with your host, Parker Fleming. He is on Twitter at StatsOBor. My name is Grant McGalliard. Find me on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. Still like it sounds with all those vowels. Go subscribe to the Purple Theory newsletter. That is purpletheory.substack.com. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Uh, write graffiti on a bathroom stall. And stick with us because we've got a lot of really, really good stuff coming. Parker, 